0: Diet culture tends to hand you a plan and say, you know, this is what works, do it, or this is what worked for me, do it. With no consideration of your life, your preferences, your strengths, your your talents, and then the message is, if it doesn't work, there was something wrong with you. You didn't try hard enough, or you didn't have enough willpower, or you were lazy, or you weren't motivated enough, or it was a bad time in your life, and what you are supposed to do is just jump back in there again and try harder. Losing weight isn't easy and some days we can feel like we need some extra help. Welcome to the Weight Loss Warrior podcast, the show where we share inspiring real-life success stories from normal everyday people like you and I. Listen to how each of our guests managed to overcome their personal challenges to lose the weight they wanted as they talk about the secrets to their success and give great advice that you can benefit from. Become part of our tribe and use the Weight Loss Warrior podcast as your source of motivation and support to help you on your weight loss transformation. And now, your host and friend, Carl Radley.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Weight Loss Warrior podcast with me, your host, Carl Radley. Today, I am joined by Dr. Melissa McCreary from Washington State, and she is a writer, podcast host, clinical psychologist and is here today to talk about the work that she does in terms of coaching and helping people to break free from overeating and emotional eating. Welcome to the show, Melissa. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you for having me, Carl.
1: You're very welcome indeed, and thank you for for being here. And something I'm very much interested in talking about today and sharing with the listeners of the podcast is the fact that you are a coach and a clinical psychologist, and a lot of the work that you do is helping people who have been stuck for a long time in a certain way of living and are looking to change that. And something that reoccurs quite a lot on the podcast are people who have had a lot of success and managed to find what makes it click for them to find success. But then a lot of my listeners and a lot of the community that I'm involved with are still struggling and looking to discover that. So I'm really hopeful that today and during our conversation, you may be able to give some advice and thoughts that could help people listening to the show. So why don't you start? Tell us a bit about yourself, please.
0: Sure. So, as you said, I'm a clinical psychologist, and I have spent my entire professional career helping women, mostly, with um, food and weight and eating and overwhelm and their bodies and stress and every way you could repackage that. (laughs) And also every way you could get it tangled up, because we get it very tangled up. And I believe diet culture helps us tangle it up even more and and get more entrenched and more stuck. And um, my passion is, and actually the reason I transitioned from being a, uh, a clinical psychologist in private practice to what I do now, which is coaching women all over the world, um, is is that I have a passion for helping people permanently break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that Diet mentality teaches you because diet mentality teaches you to work on being stronger. To have more self-control, to have more willpower, to do all of these things that are, frankly very hard. And that isn't ending a struggle that is staying on top of a struggle. <laughs> it's 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 really a recipe for trying to have endless self-control, which none of us have, which makes it a recipe for failure. And so what I do is help women dissolve the struggle. Um, so that they can put their valuable time and energy into things that are much more important to them.
1: It's very rewarding work as well, being able to help people break that cycle. And you've touched on a couple of interesting things there already. I'd like to ask more about the diet culture that you mentioned and how we become more entrenched in it and how it's perhaps even designed to do that in terms of you know creating revenue and customers for life in some aspects. And so what do you feel about diet culture and and the impact that it has on our society today?
0: Oh, well, we could talk for months about that, right? It has a huge impact. And and there's a lot of money being made in, honestly, keeping people stuck in a paradigm that isn't useful. Um, Diet culture teaches you that if... If something doesn't work, but first of all, diet culture tends to hand you a plan and say, you know, this is what works, do it. Or this is what worked for me, do it. Or, you know, this is what research shows us is going to work. So just, just do it with no consideration of your life, your preferences, your strengths, your, your talents. And then, and then the message is if it doesn't work, there was something wrong with you. You didn't try hard enough or you didn't have enough willpower or you were lazy or you weren't motivated enough or it was a bad time in your life. And what you are supposed to do is just jump back in there again and try harder this time and what i really think is a helpful visual for this is if you realize that this cycle isn't designed <laughs> to give you peace and freedom um it is designed to keep you working hard what you what you might visualize is a hamster wheel and the message is if it doesn't work just jump back on there and run faster it's a recipe for burnout it's a recipe for overwhelm and i think the biggest thing that we don't talk about is that over time it takes such a toll on your confidence and your hope, your belief, right that you can that you can actually do this or you can make a change because the messaging is all it's my fault. I, I blew it, right? I had a bad day. instead of being able to take a step back and look at this whole approach and realize this this was a lousy plan. This was a whole, this, there's a setup here. I was set up to not be successful.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and especially in the experience I've had with my podcast over the last year and a half, I've the conversations I have, and they're quite, quite sad sometimes. If I'm honest with you, when you hear from people who are, they truly believe that the diet can save them, but have tried this diet maybe ten times, twenty times throughout their life, but every time it hasn't worked, it's it's not the diet's fault; it's their fault. And it creates, I think, this, this low self-worth. It's so damaging to someone's self-esteem as well to feel that, especially when you see somebody who has followed that diet, the poster people who have successfully done it and you make a comparison to those people and say, you know, they can do it. Why can't I? Why am I broken? What's my problem? And quite often the the worst condition your mindset is in and the worse you feel about yourself it becomes even harder to get that success long term, and I truly believe that weight loss is a byproduct of a healthy mindset. And you know, you, if you can work on your mindset first, and learn to love yourself and have self confidence, the weight loss and anything else that you want to achieve in life can come as a result of that.
0: I, I think you're right. I also think that weight loss is a byproduct of um, tackling the reasons that you are eating in the first place and that's another place that diet mentality and diet culture does women an incredible disservice because and and our minds cooperate with this because our 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 brains are really focused on first of all we're focused on what we're looking for and we're focused on what we've been taught and we're focused on the messaging that we've received but but we're hardwired to want to do and and be effective and jump into action and so on one level it makes logical sense that if what you want to do is lose weight or stop binging or stop overeating or emotional eating then this is about food, and you should come up with a food plan, and you should decide what you're going to eat and when you're going to eat and when you're not going to eat. And and our brains love that. Okay, this is a plan. Our brains love, you know, concrete plans. And diet culture emphasizes, makes a lot of money selling us plans, right? But if we do not address the reason that food has its power, and honestly— I think that if there is one takeaway message from our conversation, it is that there is always a reason that you eat. There's always a reason. Sometimes it's a need for fuel. Sometimes it's because it smells really good. Sometimes it is a need for other hungers, which I call hidden hungers, Um, right? So maybe you're eating because you're exhausted or you need stress relief or you need comfort or you have tough emotions and you don't know how to deal with them. Or maybe you know perfectly well how to deal with those emotions, but you're out of bandwidth because you're busy and you're tired and you're, you know, all those other Mm -hmm. hidden hungers. If you don't address those important pieces of the puzzle, then it doesn't matter how perfectly suited to you any food plan is. You're always going to have cravings and you're going to have urges to binge and you're going to need to be strong and, you know, have, have all sorts of willpower. And that willpower and that inner strength will always fail you when the hidden hungers get to be too
1: much. Of course. And there's two points there I'm going to touch on, actually, if I can, please, Dr. Melissa. The first being willpower. And that's probably a, an episode in itself. And the, I understand from, you know, the work that you do. You're not a big fan of, of willpower per se. Can you tell me a bit more about why you believe it's not perhaps the most essential tool in terms of tackling weight loss?
0: It's so overrated, you know, and the thing is, I work with high achieving women. I work with women who have a ton of willpower. Um, and. Willpower is a limited resource, right? So we're always going to reach a point where we run out of it. Um if you think about the times when you are most challenged with overeating or emotional eating, eating or cravings, or it's likely when your willpower is already pretty depleted. So it's a setup. If your setup is that, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to n- just not do this thing without addressing the reasons that you want to eat the chocolate or you wander into the pantry every time you end a meeting on Zoom or whatever it is. Um you're likely going to be most vulnerable at the time when you're most vulnerable because you're out of willpower, right? Um, so that's the first reason. And and then I think what happens is we get into this all or nothing cycle, right? So either you're being really good because you have a lot of willpower or you blew it because you don't have willpower and now it's all ruined anyway. So um, don't you wish you could measure how much how much all of us eat? If, if you're in that cycle, there's so much overeating that happens in the time between the when your brain tells you you blew it and it's all ruined. And when you get the motivation to start over again, right? And willpower fuels that cycle. Um, I think the other reason that deserves paying attention to is who wants to have a relationship with food, which is lifelong, that you have to always have willpower for. It it just is a miserable, it's a miserable experience. So Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I'm not a fan. No, and I I can understand why. And quite honestly, I agree with you on that. And willpower, motivation. I, I think that cycle that people find themselves in of hitting rock bottom and either from a place of motivation or desperation, finding the courage to start again until that motivation fails them or there's no willpower left, which sinks them back into rock bottom again until the next time they feel motivated or desperate enough to actually Start another diet.
0: It's exhausting just to hear you describe that. Yeah. I mean it just ugh, right. But if you the other piece of that is if you think about it, if instead of I'm I'm just going to be strong, you start out with um but well, the the approach that I use with my clients is okay so let's let's tackle these reasons let's get clear on what the reasons are let's give you your power back let's start finding ways to feel powerful again and and get your confidence back but let's address the reasons here's the really cool thing that I think everybody knows but I also think we forget and we don't pay attention to if I'm if I'm out of control with my eating because I'm stressed and exhausted and i have a lot of um i have a difficult job right i have this difficult situation at work and what i do is start targeting those places i start addressing my stress and my exhaustion and finding ways to to care for myself and my difficult work situation not only does the eating get better not only does it get easier to walk away from the you know the potato chips in the cupboard or whatever it is but my life is getting better too, right? So you get this wonderful side effect of joy and ease and um, you end up with a relationship with food that makes your life work better instead of you having to work better to have a relationship with food that will get you to your goal.
1: That's incredible. That's really profound and so true. And I think that people who who, uh, work on that relationship with self and identify the issues or challenges they face in life. You have to get to the root of the the problem, don't you? The the root cause of what's creating that. And you mentioned earlier the hidden hungers. And I would imagine as part of the work you do with your clients, identifying and bringing awareness to those hidden hungers is paramount in order to start working forward. Would you mind telling me a bit more about the hidden hungers and how you help clients to identify them?
0: Absolutely. So... um... The first thing is that hidden hungers travel in groups, right? Okay. So I just mentioned some of them. And what happens when, when um, people start thinking about hidden hungers in the beginning is it can feel overwhelming. It's like, Melissa, I have all of them. I'm, because if you're, if you are too busy, you probably also are exhausted and you probably also could use some stress relief and you pro, right. And then over time it becomes hard to deal with emotions because everything is just caught up in this cycle. And so sometimes people will throw up their hands and say, yeah, of course I have a lot going on and that's exactly why I'm eating and who wouldn't be. Um, so understanding the concept is important, but the the next piece is really finding a strategic way to dig into that stuff and be effective without it being something else that adds to your overwhelm and your stress and your being too busy. Um the easiest way for people to deal with that, it I think is I actually have a free quiz on my website and you can go and when you take the Hidden Hungers quiz, it doesn't say, oh ding ding ding, you have all of them. <laughs> it says, it's not a
1: competition. <laughs> yeah.
0: It says, it says, okay here's the primary one. Here's the driver. And this is the place for you to start. And then what it's going to give you is a really simple action item, which your brain is probably going to say, oh, that's not enough. I need to overhaul my life. I need a vacation. I need a different job. I need all these different things that, because guess what? When we're overwhelmed, our brains work faster and our brains get anxious. And again, back to, we just need to do things. We need to do some, and we we actually create more mess for ourselves. Um, So finding simple ways. The first one is to target what's the place that I could make the most difference. So for instance, one hidden hunger is a hidden hunger for rest. Mm. Um, Huge. And I'm sure you have talked on your podcast about the role of sleep and sleep deprivation with weight and eating, right? And um, weight gain. And yet we get used to our hidden hungers. And so I, I mean, have you had a lot of conversations with people who say, "Of course, I'm tired." Yeah, but who has time for sleep? Or you know, we've normalized it, right? A, a
1: number, a number of my guests and listeners have also opened up, and it's been quite a recurring question because, especially for any females who have had children recently, it seems oh. to be the, the double whammy of wanting to lose weight after pregnancy, but also being absolutely exhausted from yeah. being a, a new mum yeah. and trying to tackle both of those things but I refer to them as the basics done well and that's because one of the, my friends who's a coach he comes from a military background and they speak about you know sleep hydration movement the importance of these things and good sleep I think is it's something we take for granted at just how much it impacts not just our mood but our ability to do things and show up for ourselves.
0: Hugely. And I'm actually glad you used that example because on the one hand, if you have a hidden hunger for rest, that really is your power move. I mean, getting more sleep, getting more rest is incredibly important. And if and that really is the place to start. And it is advice that gets thrown out so like easily to people who if they knew how to get more rest and sleep, they would be doing it, right? And new parents, what a great example. So there's another hidden hunger that a lot of people don't know about and they get confused by. And it's a hidden hunger for um, compassion, for self-compassion, because there are things that we can't change. I mean, I remember one of my kids, there were some months, right, with the sleep and the <laughs> – and, and if somebody had looked at me and said, well, you just need to sleep seven and a half hours and mm-hmm. I knew that. My son didn't know that, right? Um And when you're in a situation that you can't change, that is hard or draining or scary or anxiety-producing, coming in with compassion and thinking, okay, so how do I care for myself? I know I have a hidden hunger for rest. I know I'm exhausted. And um, I can work on getting more of that thing. I can work at feeding myself some rest. And when it's impossible... Instead of reverting to the tough love, you know, willpower thing, the whole thing that diet mentality teaches us to be really strong at, how can I just be kind to myself? Because this is hard. (laughs) And believe me, it feels, again, your brain will say, well, I can't do anything about it, so I just need to not think about it, right? Which is how we end up numbing out with um, whatever it is that you're numbing Mm -hmm. out with at the end of the night and, and Netflix. But no, how can I actually like kind of hold myself and be kind to myself because I've got some hidden hungers going on and this is really hard.
1: I think hidden hungers are f- fascinating. And it's it's a, a great way I've never heard it described in that way, but you're absolutely right because I think for so many people who are trying to lose weight we only look as far as the, the most obvious things that we relate directly to that overeating, snacking too much, binge eating often missing some of the foundations that have to be fixed or in place first to allow Mm -hmm. for that to happen. Otherwise, it is really going back to what you said about willpower. You are literally just fighting against the inevitable for as long as you can until you can't anymore. And I know on your podcast, Too Much On Her Plate, which is also your web address as well for your website.
0: Yeah, I'm easy to find.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I I love the name. It's fantastic. And I wanted to ask more about that because I know that you... Dedicate your episodes and podcasts to talking about these topics and helping people. If you don't mind me asking, what made you decide to do that? What made you decide to start with a podcast? Because I think it's fantastic what you do. And I was just curious to know.
0: Uh, I guess, you know, I used to, um, I've always had a weekly newsletter that I send out. I had a blog back, you know, I still have, there is still a blog. There's lots of articles there. Mm. Um, And it just seemed like it would be fun to to try the the vehicle of podcasting because I, I can talk about this stuff forever and podcasts are easy to digest, right? I work with busy women. You can listen to I just I just actually was on, on another podcast and I, I said, Well, how long are your episodes? And she <laughs> said, They're the length of a commute.
1: <laughs> Brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's all my people have time for is the length of a commute, right? So a podcast is easy, and it's a way – the other thing I didn't think about when I started the podcast, but I but I think it's really valuable for the people who listen to them, is so much of the work that I do – and and when you do mindset work, you know, that's what you were talking about – is about getting our brains tuned into a different station or learning how to think about things differently. And that takes practice. But it doesn't just take practice. It takes kind of surrounding yourself with things that help you do that. And so when you have something that you can plug in and listen to that's just like just kind of reinforcement for a new way of thinking or a new approach, I think that's really helpful for people. And that's what that's what my listeners have told me, too, that the, um, sometimes they'll be like, I listened to that episode three times because it just it's I, I needed to I just needed my brain to hear it. Um And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Of
1: course. And I think the thing with podcasts, like you say, it's, it's a very individual experience because for someone who's listened to an episode for three times, obviously something really resonated with them. And I think especially with weight loss and the challenges and obstacles that are in front of so many people, there are so many similarities that each person will have. And you can usually categorize them, as you said, with different hidden hidden hungers or, you know, things that are going on in that person's life. Yet at the same time as sharing so many attributes, it's such a personal thing. And I think that when you hear a podcast or you listen, you know, to read an article or you join a coaching program, you realize that, you know, it feels like that person is truly talking to you because, you know, you're probably tired and there's a lot of tired people out there but understanding that you are not broken and you are not to blame for this. And there is an opportunity to have hope and get off of that roller coaster of, of emotion and, and dieting. It's it's something that I, I think is refreshing and needed. And like you said, when you change your environment and you find yourself listening to somebody telling you, okay, you can do this, you can choose, this is normal, what you're experiencing, it opens the doors in the eyes of so many people to be able to think okay maybe i i can do this and i can have hope
0: um and can i share one more thing about that please please um, please do you no know, it's cuz i think it's not just i can do this it's like here is this door and i want to open it for you and i want to share it with you because when you when you walk through this door maybe you don't have to do so many things so I was I was talking to somebody actually yesterday who had um gone through I have a, a group program um, called Your Missing Piece. And she had. it's a six-month program. She had gone through this program a while ago. And I hadn't talked to her in a couple of years. And she said, I have to share this thing with you because I was feeling discouraged because I've had a rough spot lately of stuff going on in my life. And I haven't been feeling great about things. And I was feeling like I had just backslid. I just was feeling like, you know, this is not good. And she said, I pulled out my... Um, there's like a download, there's a workbook in the program. She said, "I pulled out my workbook and I was looking through it." And she said, "Oh my gosh!" She said, "I am so much better than I was two years ago." She said, "I'm doing things so differently." She said, "Melissa, I had totally forgotten." I there was a there's a uh, exercise in the program where you, we get really strategic about where to target in your day. You know wh- where it would be helpful to put your attention because. Nobody wants to focus on things 24 hours a day. And she said, you know, I had totally forgotten that two years ago, afternoons and evenings were so hard for me. And I was overeating every night and I'm, I'm reading this stuff. And she said, Melissa, I don't even think about that anymore. She said, I don't even wow. think I have, a, I have a, things that I do and I have a routine and it just it, that is not my issue. That's just gone. And I don't think people understand that that kind of change is possible. It's not about, okay, I can figure out a way to to make this thing work forever. It's that you can heal this stuff, mm-hmm. right? And the stuff that she's wanting help with now is she's it's a different it's different. It's a different level, and it's different issues. but but it's not that she's gone back to start, you know, like it's some crazy board game. It's that, oh, some new stuff has come up, but this old stuff is gone right? We addressed absolutely. it. We fe- I, I have solved the puzzle. Of and course. I don't think people get that message often enough.
1: No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Because it's almost as if you you push through the ceiling as you make new discoveries. And there's always going to be another ceiling there. And someone once described it um, as a devil at every level. And you know, every time you succeed and you break through, but quite often you forget about how many ceilings you've already broken through to get yeah. to where you are. And I think another thing that holds people back sometimes, especially, and and you you probably have an an opinion or some experience with this, is working with professionals, people who are what you can consider or would consider themselves as successful in every aspect of their life, but can't seem to break weight loss or have control of their weight or emotional eating. And this is something that I think probably creates a lot of shame and embarrassment for a lot of professionals. Because, you know, it's like I can run a company of hundreds of people, No problem at all, but I I can't lose weight for longer than six months. And I think a lot of this is also tied into perfectionism and this all or nothing mindset. So I I wanted to ask you about perfectionism and its role within weight management and people who want to lose weight and, and find it difficult to do.
0: Oh, that is—that's a whole other episode we could do. We, we, we
1: need to have a series, <laughs> I think. Have, here, we Melissa. have a big
0: topic, good, uh, big topics going on. Absolutely, right. And also for these high achievers, um, hidden hungers come into play so many times. Food is the band aid that kind of, or the tape that kind of mm-hmm. holds things together together, so you can keep going. But this idea of perfectionism versus what we were just talking about, that that change really is a spiral and you, you're going to go through some things and you're going to figure them out, but life is going to throw you more challenges and it doesn't mean you failed. Um, I feel like the wellness industry is so old-fashioned and nobody acknowledges it. I feel like it's the last, one of the last places where we don't end indiv- well, not we, but the wellness industry doesn't individualize things, right? They throw a plan at you and say, make it work, or with with no regard for the person who's who's there wanting to make the change, right? What are your strengths? What are you good at? And over time, um, and that's actually why I got into coaching and doing doing things on a more global level was I just talked to one too many uh amazing women who was, you know, doing amazing things, corporate things or in their own business or with their families or like with just powerhouses who didn't believe they were powerhouses anymore. Because as you said, weight and eating are so personal. Mm-hmm. And when it feels like you are always treading water or sinking and the, the industry is telling you it's all your fault and you're just not enough, um, it it it's, what it does to people is really horrible.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, As well, there there are many hats that we wear as people, the roles within our lives, CEO of a company, parent. And yet the one that we wear and often keep most guarded is our personal one, who we are, our identity as a person. And that's usually the one that unfortunately becomes most damaged in these situations in terms of not being able to get the resolve that you're looking for and not being able to work on that. But there is always that opportunity to do so. And you mentioned, you know, that was the reason you got into coaching. I'd like to spend the last few minutes of this episode, if possible, just hearing a bit more about your coaching, because I'm sure, although as a coach myself, there'll be some ladies and gentlemen probably listening to this. I know you predominantly work with women. Mm -hmm. Tell me a bit more about the coaching that you do. So if anyone's interested and they can reach out to you and I'm sure you'd be happy to have a conversation with them.
0: Absolutely. Um, I work with uh, people who are ready for long term change. So I, you know, part of this is all this is about shifting. This is about moving from what doesn't work to what does work. And so um, my programs, I I have two ways of working. I have take on a few individual clients every year. And then I have a group program. Which I, I have started calling it it's a group for people who don't consider them themselves group people. For, and and so I think a lot of what you just said, there there's a lot of reluctance, oh, what will happen in a group or, or what will what will it's a small group um, where you get the coaching and you get the support. But also there's a lot of training materials, um, videos, guided visualizations, workbooks, um, around how to do it differently, how to retrain your brain, how to retrain your habits how to use high-performance techniques that, you know, the kind of stuff that we use with Olympic athletes to get them to their goal, how to how to remember that you're a strong and powerful person, and how to get your confidence back, how to learn to keep your promises to yourself, how to start making promises that you actually want to keep to yourself, right, with food. Um, and we get together with uh, on Zoom three times a month, and there's this training portal with all sorts of resources in there. Uh, it's a lovely thing. It's a lovely community, um, and change happens in ways that I think really surprise people. So people forget to binge in the evening, and people start realizing that oh, I actually could focus on being kinder to myself, and I don't have to focus on not eating chocolate, <laughs> you know, and that will make the difference. Or, um, and we actually just had a, a group meeting. Yesterday, which the, a whole bunch of people had just joined, and it, it's always really wonderful for to speak to your point about people feeling so isolated and alone and ashamed. It is always so wonderful to see that moment when somebody relaxes and realizes it's not just me right? The system is broken. It's not just me. I'm not the only one who feels this way. Um, and oh boy, because there are people at all phases in the program who come on these Zoom calls like, oh wow, this is really working for this. Like this works. This isn't <laughs> This mm-hmm. isn't just mumbo jumbo. Um, getting your hope back is incredibly underrated. It's a really cool thing.
1: Of course. Know? And I think quite often people mistake true hope for and I say it respectfully, but desperation, that people want something to happen from a place of desperation, from a place of lack or loss, that they want it to happen. So when it doesn't, I, I think it's even approached in a completely different way, but true hope, seeing something and, and realizing that this could change my life is is such a powerful thing. And like you say, on the other side of it, when you start to see people realize that the changing, the change that's occurring it's beautiful. It really is. And I love the example you gave of, you know, somebody who'd gone back and realized that actually they've progressed so much that they didn't even remember how bad things had were at one stage.
0: It's so amazing, you know. And I and when you're at the beginning or when you're caught in the struggle, it is impossible to believe that that could be true for you. Of course. Right. How could I I, the, the, I I come back to the example of binging at the end of the day or binging before you go to bed when you're stuck in that cycle? It feels like you are going to have to do some gargantuan, miserable thing to, to get out of that cycle. And you might not even be able to visualize it. But I've got I've worked with multiple women who kind of realized after the fact, oh, wow, I don't do that anymore. I didn't even realize that that has Mm -hmm. just kind of dropped off my, my routine. That's the kind of change that is just really cool to witness and to be a part of. And, um, that's why I love what I do.
1: Amazing. It sounds as though you're extremely good at what you do as well. Dr. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And finally, I'd just like to ask where is the best place for people to find you? Um, I would imagine on your podcast.
0: Pod, the too much on her plate podcast and too much on com is the website and you'll find all the other resources and social media handles and all that stuff there. Excellent. But, and we didn't yeah. even
1: talk about the book that you've written so but you'll have to definitely come back and share more details <laughs> about that. But I know the information's available on your website and Absolutely. I encourage everybody who's listening to have a look and find out a little bit more and listen to the podcast. It's uh it's good to have that environment in which you are succeeding and listening to other positive stories and getting that hope so i think the more you surround yourself by that the better
0: thanks so much for this conversation
1: carl this has been fun thank you very much and take care thank you i'd also like to say a big thank you to you our listeners i appreciate you joining us at the weight loss warrior podcast and would love that you become part of our tribe if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new weight loss warrior tell their story we share brand new episodes every single monday and thursday and hope that you join us next time you can also find us on instagram where we share great tips and advice on how you can lose weight in a safe and sustainable way simply search for weight loss warrior podcast and follow us today remember be kind to yourself and keep looking forward you can achieve your goals